Any person who burns the tefuah of his friend will not be zeicha to be able to give it to his children for Yerusha. When a person does a bad maisa, he gets paid back mida keneged mida. But if he does a good maisa, he gets paid back more than mida keneged mida. As we know that it says, mida taiva meruba mida peranius. We know the Pasuk in Shmai says, Vayakam melechadash al-Mitzrayim, shal yada as Yosef. What's the pshan that he didn't know Yosef? Rab says, he didn't know him because he was Mamish a new king. According to Shmuel, he knew him, but he changed his policies. Nishachu gzeh So he knew him, but he made believe that he didn't know him. Parah thought, once Hashem said after the Mabel, he wouldn't destroy the world with a flood, that he would destroy them with a flood at all but didn't realize that he could flood part of the world or drown a group of people, i.e. the Mitzrayim. Par used to walk around with a brick on his back and trick the Klal Yisrael into thinking that they should also do work. The Pasuk says, Vayavidu lahem b'farech. Rebbe says, They convinced Klal Yisrael to do work via peh rach, a soft mouth, in other words, through soft cell. After they convinced them, then they gave them very, very heavy work, they locked them into chains, and so on. Eventually, they were so cruel, they would give men's work to women and women's work to men. The Gabar says the reason we were taken out of Mitzrayim because of, because of certain women there that were tzaddikim. Bishar nashim tzidkanias, shahayu ba'isei hadar, nigalu Yisrael mimitzrayim. This Gemara is brought in the Rashbam, in Perak Arve Psachim, where the Gemara says that even though the mitzvah of drinking Dalad Kaisis, Al-Nel Pesach, is a mitzvah sasei shazman grama, Women are still mochiyev to drink, since afhein hayu ba'isei hanes. The Rashim explains that afhein, they were also part of this miracle, is referring to the fact brought down here, that it was because of these nashim, sitkanias, that we were taken out of Mitzrayim. The same applies to why we're, women are mochiyev in Megillah and Erchanika, due to Esther and Yehudas. The reason we were saved was because of their work that they did. Taisus argues and explains that the Pshat and Afhein Ayubaisahanes simply means that they were also beneficiaries of the nest that happened. That's why they're also Mukhuyev in these mitzvahs, even though their mitzvahs are say Shazman Grama. Shifra was the same as Yechebet. She was called Shifra because she she softened the baby's limbs. Miriam was called Pua, since she played with the children. Paro told both of them not to let the male children live. Any person who marries a woman Lushem Shamayim. It's as if he gave birth to her. At the beginning, Paro softly asked the midwives to kill Jewish boys. Then he made it a royal order. Then he ordered all newborn boys killed, even the Mitzrayim. Yocheved was born on the way to B'nai Yisrael's entry into Mitzrayim. She was the 70th person who came into Mitzrayim, when it's speaking about the 70 people who came in. The Pasuk says, V'teira oisai kitayv, referring to Maishu Rabbeinu. She saw Maishu Rabbeinu. What does this mean? Either it means Yochevet saw Moshe Rabbeinu in the water and saw that he was Roy Linavia, or she saw that he was born already with a Mila, or when he was born, the house of Parai was very well lit. The Gemara says Bas Parai was walking with other maidservants. When Bas Parai wanted to take the basket with Moshe Rabbeinu from the river, they complained. A miracle happened that all these people who complained died, and she was able to save him all by herself, via an outstretched hand. When Yochevet opened the basket, she saw a crying baby with the Shechina shining on his face. There's a machlekas when Meishu Rabbeinu was found in the water. Chaf Aleph Nisan, 
or Vav Sivan. Vav Sivan makes more sense since he was born on Zion Odar, which would be nine months approximately after Vav Sivan. They brought Moshe Rabbeinu to all the Egyptian women for breastfeeding, but he refused to drink because the Mitzrayim ate Trephus, and he didn't want to drink Tame milk. Whether or not such milk is actually halachically forbidden is a matter of dispute amongst the Rishayim, as it is brought in Al-Hadaf. The Gemara in Yavamas, Dalad, says that in absence of Jewish milk, an infant may be fed Gentile milk or other non-kosher milk because depriving him of milk can endanger his life. The Rach infers from this that milk of a Gentile woman is halachically on equal footing with milk of a non-kosher animal. Accordingly, the Rach rules that Gentile milk is indeed non-kosher and is only permitted to an infant if kosher milk is not accessible. The assumption being that milk is a life-sustaining necessity for a baby. The Rajbah, however, disputes this ruling and states that there is no biblical source rendering a Gentile woman's milk as non-kosher. The Rajbah thus rules that all human milk, whether from a Jew or a Gentile, is halakhically permissible. The Rajbah, however, concludes that while the milk is halakhically permitted, nevertheless, it is a midas chasidus not to needlessly feed the child milk from a Gentile. He says that doing so can have a negative effect on the development of his character traits. The Rajbah explains that the nursemaid's character traits and nature can transfer through milk to the child, and therefore the child will be deprived of the quality character traits that are naturally inherent to the Jewish nation. V'shulchan Aruch, Yeradea, Simen, Kuf, Nun, Dalet, rules in accordance with the Rajbah that all human milk is kosher. The Ramah, Yeradea, Simen, Pe'alop, Siv, Zion, however, comments in accordance with the conclusion of the Rajbah that one should not allow his child to nurse from a non-Jewish nurse if Jewish milk is available, since it could have a detrimental effect on the child's character development. The Vilnengain states that this concept is derived from the incident concerning Moshe Rabbeinu, quoted by our Gemara. Just as Moshe refrained from nursing from the Egyptian nursemaids because of the fear that it would hinder his spiritual growth and render him unfit to speak with Hashem, so too it is advisable to restrict all babies from such milk because it can stymie their positive character development. The Ramah states further that in addition, a nursing mother should be exceedingly cautious with her diet because the milk derived from her non-kosher food can have a detrimental effect on the spiritual development of, the, of her child. The Shach comments that this is true even where the mother is halakhically permitted to eat non-kosher food, i.e. for pikuach nefesh, she requires it for her health. Nevertheless, the non-kosher food can have, can have an effect on her child. Therefore, the Shach says, if the nursing mother must eat non-kosher food, an attempt should be made to obtain a nursemaid to nurse the child instead of the mother. The Ramah concludes that for this same reason, one should be very careful to prevent his small children from eating anything non-kosher, since it can have a negative effect on their character traits and spiritual development. And the Gemara asks, why was Miriam called Achais Aaron and not Achais Moshe? More answers, because before Moshe was born, she prophesied that the Navi Moshe would be born. Dafid Gimel. Thirty-six crowns were hung on the kever of Yaakov. They represented all of the Umais at that time. Originally, Esau didn't want Yaakov buried in Hebron. In the end, he was, and the place was called Kiryas Arba, since four pairs, four Zugais, were buried there. Odom and Chava, Avraham and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, and Yaakov and Leah. The Gemara says, even though Yaakov and Esau didn't die on the same day, they were buried on the same day. There was a question where Yosef was buried. But when the Bnei Yisrael took the bones of Yosef with them through the Midbar, the Shekhinah followed them. 
In the end, he was buried in Shechem. If a person starts something and doesn't complete it, the person who finally completes it gets the schar for it. And the Gemara asks, why did Yosef die before his brothers did? Or it answers, since he was the Melech, and he generated too much of an air of superiority, therefore he died first. Maneg atzmoi berabonus. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu punished not to be able to go into Eretz Yisrael? The Gemara answers, because of his hate of hitting the rack at Meimeriva. What was such a big avera that it deserved such a big punishment? Where answers lefum gamla shichma, depending on the strength of the camel, that's the load that it must carry. I.e., Moshe Rabbeinu was so big that even though he did a small avera, he had to be punished heavily because of it. Moshe was born and died on the same day. Zayin Odar, he died at age 120. Sakharish Baruch who likes for tzaddikim to die on their exact birthday. The day he died was Shabbos, and Moshe taught Torah in the morning. Yeshua taught it in the afternoon. Moshe died in the chilek of Ruvain, and he's buried in the chilek of God. Some say Moshe never really died, and he simply was Mishamish, the Rabbeinu Shlomo. Interesting that Zion Odor falls before Parsha's Tetzaveh, that's the only Parsha where Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned. No one knows where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried, even Moshe Rabbeinu himself. The Marsha explains, he was so spiritual, there wasn't one actual place of burial, but we do know that it was near Beis Pa'ar. Another reason his kever was hidden from human beings is because when the, when the Beis Hamikdash would be destroyed, and Bnei Yisrael would be sent to Golis, and Klal Yisrael would go to the kever of Moshe Rabbeinu and ask him to be mispal. Then Hashem would have to be mevatel the Golis, since if Hashem listened to Moshe in his lifetime, he would surely have to listen to him after death, since the tefillahs of tzaddikim are more chashev and considered even more chaviv after they die. The Gemara says people are mechuyev and nichum avelim, meis mitzvah, and bikrcholim, since Hashem did all of these himself. As we learned by Abraham Avinu after his bris milah, vayera elav Hashem b'eleine mamre. The Torah begins with gemilas chasadim, Hashem's clothing above Adam and Chava, and it closes with gemilas chasadim, the burying of Meishur Abenu. And finally the parak ends by telling us that Meishur did everything in his power so that Hashem would forgive those who were nichshel in the Avera of the Egel Hazav. Perak Sheni, Haya Mevi, the Mishnah. The carbon mincha of the Saita, the husband would first bring it in a basket made of palm trees, but then she would have to carry it. The rule is that all minchas, when brought, must be brought in a clay sharas at the beginning and at the end, except for mincha of the Saita. At the beginning it's brought in a basket, but later on it's brought in a clay sharas. All minchas come from wheat, but the carbon of the Saita, mincha, comes from barley. And the Gemara says, we made her carry the mincha in order to make her tired, so maybe she'll admit her avera and be saved from the bad effects of the mesaita. Clay shares, which were made out of wood, Rebbe says they're posel. Rebbe Yehuda says it's kasha. A carbon, which has a mum, shouldn't be brought at all, since it shows a lack of kavod ta'kadosh baruchu, as we learned from the pasuk in Malachi. Hakriveyu na lufachsecha. If you wouldn't bring it to your governor, you wouldn't bring it to Hashem. So our Mishnah can be both like Rebbe or Rabbi Yesi, Rabbi Yehuda. And finally, the carbon mincha must be brought in the southwest corner of the Mizbeach. Because it says, Lifnei Hashem, which is the west. El Mizbeach, that's the south. That's equal to the southwest. But according to Rabbi Lazar, the south is good enough. When is the Kaimitz considered complete? Rabbi Hanani says, when fire begins to consume it. Rabbi Echanan says, when fire completes to devour it. A carbon of a Balavera, doesn't have Nesachim, Shemen, and Levina. 
so as not to make it a beautiful carbon. There are seven things that can cause a person to get leprosy, cause a person to get saras. They're detailed in Erechen Daftesayim, Lashnahara, Shvichasdame, Shvuashav, and four others. So it's clear that a Mitzayra is also called a Chaita. The next Mishnah. The Kayin would bring a Klicheres and put water from the Kiar into it. The Kayin then went into the Hechel and put sand into this water. And the Gemara says, it's a question if this Klicheres must be a brand new Kli or not. We assume yes, based on a Limud from Mitzayra. The sand used for a Saita should preferably be from sand that already existed on the floor of the Mishkan, not brought in from the outside. As the Pasuk says, Bikarka HaMishkan. Daftazayim. If they only had ashes, but no sand, can they use them for the Mesaita? This is related to the Machlekes by Kisoy HaDam, where the Halacha is that you're supposed to cover the Dam, the blood, with sand. According to Beishamai, you can only use sand. You can't use anything else. But according to Beisil, you can also use ashes. We bring a riot to this halacha from Rabbi Yechan and Mishum Rabbi Yishmael said, in three places in the Torah, we say that halacha aikeves mikra. The halacha l'mayshim Sinai actually goes against the words that are specifically stated in the Torah. Where are these three places? Number one, by Kisui Hadam, Torah says that only sand is good, but halacha l'mayshim Sinai allows anything to be used to cover blood. Torah says that a nazir shouldn't cut his hair with a razor, but the halacha l'mayshim Sinai says he can't cut his hair with anything. And number three, the Nasanla, Sefer Krisos, is mashma that a man, if he wants to divorce his wife, can only give her a Sefer, not anything else. But the Halacha Lameshim Sinai says he can actually give her the thing written on anything. The Gemara says that the Torah says a general rule, then a specific rule, then it says a general rule. First it says something broad, then it says something specific, then it says something general. And Nechunya ben Hakana darshans this as a klal uprat uklal. So all isn't excluded from the Halacha, except things that are ke'ein haprat. Rab Nocham Ishgamzu darshans it as a riboy miut v'riboy, which comes to include everything except things that are very dissimilar to the riboy. In other words, this is more inclusive and it comes to include more things. There are three things that must be seen, the Gemara says. Sand, which is put into the Nesaita, ashes of the paraduma, which are put into the water to sprinkle on a person who is tame, tame mace, and spit of the Yavama into a shoe. We know that a Yavama has to spit into the shoe. Um, if Chalitza is done, and this bit has to be specifically seen. The Gemara says, normally, you first put water into the Kli of the Meisaita, then you put sand into it. What if you put the sand in first? The Rabbanan says it's Pasal, because the Pasuk says, Mayim Chaim El Keli. Rabbi Shimon says it's Kasher, because it says Olav. Tafyud Zayin, the Mishnah. Where did they write Psukim from onto the Megillah Saita? Eventually, these Psukim were scratched into the Meisaita. It's a machlekes in the exact order of how the psukim were written. According to Rameir, you write all the psukim related to the curse. According to Rabbi Yaisi, you write all psukim, including the step-by-step directions given to the Kayan and the Isha. According to Rabbi Yehuda, you skip the first and the last psukim. The Gemara says Rabbi Akiva taught a husband and a wife if they merit in the Saita process, i.e. they were faithful to one another, the Shechina will rest with them. As we know, the word Ish, Aleph, Yud, Shin, and the word Isha, Aleph, Shin, He, the Yud, K, the name Hashem, is in those. If they aren't faithful, then Esh eats them. In other words, if you take the Yud and the K from their names, from their from the words, the He from the Isha and the Yud from the Ish, you're left only with the letters Aleph and Shin in common between them. And this comes to consume them. The fire of the woman is worse than the fire of the man. If the woman is Zaycha, 
the woman who is considered to be a saita, she's eicha. In other words, she's actually innocent. A son like Avram Avinu will come to her. Since the offer she drank in the water is like Avram, who called himself Va'anoichi Afar Ve'efer. And since Avram called himself Afar, his children were Zaycha in the mitzvahs of Efer Para and Afar Saita. They were also Zaycha in Tfilin and Tzitzis. What is the Hashibas of the blue color of Tchelas? We know that there's Tzitzis. I know that Tzitzis have a strand of Tchelas. So what is the significance of the fact that the Tchelas are blue? Rameir says, since Tchelas Daimeloyam, the Yam Daimelorakia, Rakia Daimelokise Hakavit. Tcheles is similar to the color of the yam, which is blue. The yam, the sea, is similar to the sky, which is also blue. And the blue sky reminds us is similar to the kisei akavan. So by keeping the mitzvah of tzitzes, we have the shechina resting among us. The Mishnah. The Megillah Saita cannot be written on board or paper, and not on diftera, which is a type of parchment, but it can only be written on klaf, which is the Megillah, since the Pasuk says basefer. It also must be written with di, an ink which can be erased. It must be written by day, just like mishpat must be by day, so too Megillah Saita must be done by day. It must also be written in order, and after she accepted the Shvua, that's when it has to be written, not before that. It also needs to be written with lines, and it must be erased at all at one time. If they don't do any of these things, the Megillah Saita is possible. We know that one of the things that was erased into the water was the Shem Hashem, the Yudke Vovke. In the Lukute Torah of the Balatanya, as well as other Svarim, it is brought down that the Yud of the Shem Hashem is in the word Ish, and the He of the Shem Hashem is in the word Isha. Since the function of the Ish is similar to the Yud, and the function of a woman, the Isha is similar to the He. A Yud is a dot, but a He has a length a width and a depth. It's a very big letter. As we know from the Gemara in Yevamas, Tafsamach Gimel, a man brings home the wheat, but can only eat it since the woman knows how to turn it into bread. He wouldn't be able to do anything with it on his own. We see from this Gemara that the job of the man is to bring home the food, and the job of the woman is to prepare it. And as it's written in many Svarim, this means that the husband's role, really, is like the Yud. It's to set the tone and the strategy of the household. This is the little dot, the little strategy of the household which is, represents the Yud while the wife's role is to develop the specific elements and details of the household. The hay, which is much bigger than the yud, she's the one that bakes, she's the one that decides on all the policies within the household, aside from the overall tone of the household. As we see from Abraham Avinu, Lu He didn't feel Yishmael should be driven out of the house. It was Sarah who felt that he needed to be sent away. She had a better feel for what the right specifics as to the household need to be. As Hashem said to Avram, even though Avram set the tone for the household, Sarah knew how to apply the strategies toward the specific details of the house. So if the husband and wife are zeicha, and they do their jobs properly, the husband sets the tone, and the wife deals with the details, they can have the shechina shruya b'neham, the yud of the man, and the hay of the isha, to spell out the yud kevavke. If, however, they're not zeicha, and they do not work together, and they do not fulfill their individual roles, then they're left with only with Aish. They're only left with fire, which are the common letters after you take out the Yud and the He. If two Megillah Saita for two women were scratched into one cup, or he later separates them, do we say Yesh Brera or Ein Brera? Do we say Hoover Hadover Lemafreya? For which one was originally intended for which one? 
This is similar to the famous case of where a person wants to take off truma, but he doesn't want to take it off now. He wants to first drink the wine, and whatever is left over becomes the truma. So if we say yesh brera, then it's good, because it was what exactly, which portion of the barrel was the truma, i.e. what was left over became but that was meant to be the truma. However, if we say ein brera, then he was eating tevel all along, because what he may have been eating may have actually been the truma. The Gemara asks, what if he gave her to drink the Mesaita with a straw? We say take him. The Mishnah. Once the Kayan finishes reading the Nusach of the Psukim, the woman says the words Amen twice. Amen, Amen. Why does she say it twice? She says it twice because it means either I accept the Shvua, the oath, and I accept the Allah, the curse, or she says it two times and she's saying, I didn't do the Avera with the man you suspect me of having done it with, or with a different man. The Gemara. A Shemeris Yavam who was Mazana, so she can't go to her Yavam. According to Rabbi Akiva, we say, Ein Kedushin Taifsin According to the Rabbanan, it is Taifis Bechaivilavin. And Afkamina would be if a child who was born from a relationship which wasn't one punishable by death, but only Usr as a laugh, according to Rabbi Akiva, the child wouldn't be a Mamzer, since Ein Kedushin Taifsin Bechaivilavin. Mashenkin, according to the Rabbanan, he would be a Mamzer, since the Kedushin was Taifis. And finally, the Gemara says, Zos taras hakanois. That tells us, the kanois, which is plural, that if she becomes suspect a few years later, she must drink the mesaita a second time. Rabbi Yehuda says, Zos, which is singular, says that once a woman goes through this whole process and this whole ordeal with the mesaita with a specific man, she can't be put through it again. However, if she marries a new husband, he can put her through the process again. So if it's with the same husband, she can't go through it twice. But with another man, she can't. According to Chachamim, a woman can never drink the Mesaita two times in her life. This marks the end of this parak. Now let's begin parak Gimel from Dafyotas, Haya Noitel, the Mishnah. The Mishnah says he would then take her carbon mincha and put it into the klisharis. It's a machlokes between Rashi and Taisus who the he is referring to. Taisus says it's the Kayan, Rashi says it's the husband. The Kayan would then pick up her hand and make the hanafa with her. Then they brought the carbon close to them as back, and the Kayin would take the Kmitza and bring the carbon. Then there's a machlaikis between the Tanakama and Rib Shimon if the Mincha is first, or if the drinking of the water was first. And the Gemara says, the extra Vihishka in the Pasuk tells us that once the Megillah was already erased, if she refuses at that point to drink, we force her to drink, unless, of course, she admits guilt. Rib Shimon adds that there are three things that must be done before she can drink. Number one, the Kaimitz. Number two, the Mechikas HaMegillah. And number three, the Kabbalas HaShavua. Tavchaf, the Mishnah. If as long as the Megillah wasn't erased, the site at that point says she doesn't want to drink the Mayamama Arim, then the Megillah is considered no good anymore. We don't need it, and therefore we have to hide it in And the Mincha should be spread out. Her Megillah at this point can't be used for somebody else, since the Megillah must be written Lishma. And this wasn't written for the other person. Let's say it was erased, and then she admits guilt. The water then gets poured out. If she still says at that point, I'm innocent, then they force her to drink. After she drinks, if she in fact was Tame, her face becomes green and her eyes begin to bulge and they take her out of the Beis HaMikdash. If she had a special zchus, it could suspend the water, the effects of the Mayim Arim temporarily. Because of this, Ben Azai said, a man should teach his daughter Tyra, in terms of bringing her zchusim. But Rebbe Lazar says that anyone who teaches his daughter Tyra it's as if he teaches her immorality. Ki'ilu laimda tiflus, of Yeshua says. A woman would rather have a small amount of food but have sexual indulgence 
than to have a lot of food but be separated from her husband. He also said, a person who is a chassid shaita, or a rasha aram, a sly rasha, or a frum woman, isha frusha, or certain others, these other types of people, and these people, the Vishnu says here, chassid shaita, and so on, these people destroy the world. The Gemara. The ink on the Megillah Saita must be an ink that can be erased. So the ink can't be kankantum, which is an ink that cannot be erased. The Gemara says once the May Saita is written for Rachel, it cannot be used for Leah, since it wasn't written Lishma for Leah. The Gemara says a person who became Tame, even a Tame Mace, can go into the Machna Levia. Nonetheless, they wanted this guilty Saita to be removed from the Harabais, since she might become a Nida from the sudden fright of what was happening. And Anida cannot go into the Machna or the Azara. It's a Machlaikas how long this Chus could postpone the suffering of a guilty Saita. The Mishnah says if she has special Schusim, it suspends the punishment of the May Saita. The question is what kind of Schusim did she have which suspend this punishment? It couldn't be the Schus of Tyra, since she isn't a Mitzvah of Isa. A woman is not Mitzvah to do to learn Tyra. Therefore, it couldn't be that schus. As Rashi says, the Pasuk says, A man is supposed to teach his sons, but not his daughters. So it can't be referring to Tyra. That's not the schus. It must be the schus of her doing mitzvahs. Where it says this also couldn't be. As the Pasuk in Mishle says, Ner mitzvah or. Mitzvah is compared to a ner, to a candle. Torah is compared to or, compared to light. Ner is a candle, and that's a mitzvah. Ner only shines temporarily. So too, a mitzvah only protects us temporarily. Versus Torah, which is compared to or, light, that lasts forever, just like learning Torah lasts forever. Also, mitzvahs protect a person partially, but only with Torah is a person fully protected. The way a person is really in danger is if he walks at night. Once he has a ner, he's protected from thorns, but not from robbers. Once the sun rises, he's protected from robbers. And once he reaches a crossroad, he'll find his way. This is the mashal the Gemara uses to explain ner mitzvah the Torah or. When you do a mitzvah, you're protected. Once you stop doing it, you're not protected. Versus Torah, which protects all the time from dangers, even when you don't learn Torah. Protects the person from dangers, Yisurim, as well as the Yetzer, Hara. The Gemara says, although a woman isn't commanded to learn Torah, but if she makes sure her sons learn Torah, and she makes sure her husband learns Torah, in other words, she waits for her husband's return from the base medrash, that schus that she has in helping them learn Torah is like her learning Torah herself, i.e. she gets the schar of a mitzvah v'yaisa. This can shield her from the Yisurim of the Mesaita. The obvious question is, why should she get the schar of learning Torah of a mitzvah of Isa if she wasn't commanded to do the mitzvah? She only helped her husband learn Torah or her children to learn Torah. So why does she get the schar of a mitzvah of Isa? There's a famous Ran in Kedushin, Paraka Ish Mekadesh, where the Mishnah says, Ha'ish Mekadesh Bayu Bishluchai, Ha'isha Miskadeshes Bayu Bishluchai. The Gemara asks, why do we eat Bayu Bishluchai? If it says Bishluchai, we would know for sure from a Kalvachaira that he could do it himself. So the answer is due to the fact that mitzvah bai yaisem bibishluchai. And the same for a woman. Mitzvah ba yaisem bibishluchai, the Gemara answers. So the Ran asks, how can the Mishnah say that she has a greater mitzvah if she does it herself, if Bechlal she has no mitzvah in Kedushan at all? So the mitzvah of Kedushan is due to Purivya which is only commanded to a man, as we know from Yavamas. A woman doesn't have the mitzvah of Purivya So what is it that she's a mitzvah? It's mashma that, it's a mitzvah, that she's also a mitzvah in the mitzvah. The Ran answer is that since she helps her husband to be Mekayim this mitzvah, she gets the schar of a mitzvah of on the mitzvah of Piri of From this Ran, the Lubavitcher Rebbe Shlita, deduces that if someone helps in a mitzvah, the helper is also considered a mitzvah of So here too, if she helps her husband, who's commanded to learn Torah, 
or her sons who are commanded to learn Tyra, it becomes as if she is commanded to learn Tyra, and if she herself has fulfilled the mitzvah of learning Tyra as a mitzvah vaisa. This logic is also brought by the Kesav Mishnah in the Rambam. The Pasuk in Shema Yisparek Yotas Pasuk Gimel states, which means Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to teach Torah to Beis Yaakov and to Bnei Yisrael. Rashi quotes the Mechilta that interprets Beis Yaakov to be referring to the women and Bnei Yisrael to be referring to the men. What's the Pshat? Explanation is needed, however, as to why the women are specifically referred to as Beis Yaakov and why they are mentioned first, especially in view of the fact that the men are the ones who are obligated to learn Torah. The Marsha explains this Pasuk in accordance with our Gemara. He says that Beis Yaakov refers to women because they are generally in the house, in the bias, more than the men. Thus, since they are generally home, they are more qualified to bear the responsibility of sending their young sons to learn Torah, to Cheder. Consequently, the Marsha suggests that the Pasuk should be interpreted as follows. Moshe should tell the Beis Yaakov, the women, that Sagid live Yisrael. They are the ones responsible to see that their sons go to Cheder to learn Torah. The Gemara says Hillel and Shavna were brothers. Hillel learned Torah and Shavna did business. At the end, Shavna wanted to support his brother to have a share in the Torah. Baskal came out and said that he sh- should not take the money, but should learn Torah Lishma, even if he has to be in poverty. Rabbi Lazar had said if one teaches his daughter Torah, it's like teaching Tiflus, immorality. What's the Havna meaning to call Torah immorality? Rabbi Vahuk answered that since Torah makes a person sharp and sly, a woman may not use the knowledge properly, and it'll end up being Tiflus. Rabbi Yechanan added that Torah can only exist if a person is humble, not if he's arrogant. The chassid shaita mentioned in the Mishnah means, for instance, if a woman is drowning in a river and a person says he doesn't want to save her since it's a possibility of negiyah. He's crazy. He's a chassid shaita if he does that. What is a rasha arum? That's if one gives one zuz to a man who already has 199 zuzim. Since if a man has less than 200 zuzim, he's considered an ani. He's considered poor and he's allowed to take leket shikha upeya. But once he has 200 zuzim, he can't take these tzakas anymore, which will free up these tzakas for the rasha arum's relatives. Also, a person is a Rasha Aram if he is makel for himself, but he's machmer when he advises others. As we're running out of tape, we will conclude our shir at this point, but we'll begin the next tape as Sashem at the top of Dafchafbez Amadalf.